So Patty, today I'm really excited because I've been wanting to do this interview with Derek Hess for a long time. I just yeah. am so excited for our audience to hear about this amazing solution he has for him. Oh, I think this is so cool. This is actually one of the cooler things we've done in a while because it's totally free, you know, yeah. and and it, he's doing such a service for the industry. Uh, really listen to what Derek has to say and then uh, follow up and listen to what James has to say and his questions from the field. Uh, James, you want to just talk about that yeah. quickly? Yeah, really kind of expand it. So we're talking about point of sale systems, specifically how to deal with processor agnostic ones. Um, and, you know, Derek has built a great directory to that end. But then I talk about what do you do? How do you sell the ones that are not processor agnostic? And yeah. I talk about allocation of capital and some other things that frankly don't get talked about enough in our industry. And so I think it's an interesting conversation. Yeah, yeah. And then I uh, my my report this week is uh, on uh, de debit uh, interchange and debit card routing. Uh, I won't. I won't send any more spoilers. Just uh, stick around and listen to that. I think it's 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 a interest. it's a big deal and it's going to be very interesting. So I, I think we had a great episode, Patty. I'm ready if you are. Let's go. Let's go. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Okay, everybody. Today, Patty and I are joined by Derek Hess. Derek is the founder at POS Hero. How are you doing today, Derek? Hey, very well. Thanks for having me, James. Patty. Hey, great to have you, Derek. <laughs> Awesome. So today we're going to have a conversation. Derek and I have been talking about doing a podcast interview for what, Derek? I don't know, six months, maybe. Sure, yeah. Something like Absolutely, that. Absolutely, at least. So Derek has launched what I think is like the number one needed resource right now for these agents in our industry that are asking these questions in our Facebook and my Facebook group. I see it constantly. All the other Facebook groups have it on LinkedIn. And the question is, which point of sale system, I need a processor agnostic point of sale solution or software that I can use for a hair salon, for a legal you know, team, whatever. And so right. there's all these questions that pop up. We see them all the time. And Derek has really created kind of the directory of these solutions. And we're going to get into all of that today. So before we do that, though, Derek, tell us your story. What's your journey been like? How have you, you know, how'd you end up in the payments industry? And then, of course, what led you to found POS Hero? Well, you know, initially when I was... Uh... About 18 or 19 years old, my father-in-law worked at a company called uh, it called Bell South, and it was Bell South Yellow Pages, which is the phone book. Right. So when I was about 18, 19 years old, I started selling Yellow Page advertising in the phone book. Oh, wow. And yeah. So I would call businesses, call them businesses, find out, hey, how much is your average customer worth? Because we need to sell you an ad. And if you, you know, if, you, yeah. if a customer comes in, you know, the whole thing. And, um, you know, now the phone book, I have, I have our latest phone book here. I mean, look at this All right. the phone book used to be, I don't know if people know what that is, yeah. but right. I used to know. deliver uh, phone books when I was in college. So I, oh man, that was backbreaking. It was in DC where they had these huge ones. Right. Yeah. Our new Orleans phone book had to been, you know, uh, thicker than a Bible. It was on right. thicker than a Bible easily, you yeah. know? And then, um, so I actually called on a company that was in the merchant services industry. And after talking to him a little bit about it, I thought that was an amazing, amazing business opportunity. This is before really the internet research. And they're telling me about it. And I said, man, I can go out and help businesses, you know, lower costs and on and on and on. And right. um, the rest is, is kind of history. So, I mean, <laughs> fast forward almost, uh, I would say 16 years. And what I always wanted to do was help, kind of like you, James, I always wanted to help agents and 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 iso better themselves and find a good path and show them the right way versus you know these fly-by-night companies we all you know are, are on board with that and when uh, i started our own iso you know a few years ago about five or six years ago fully registered the whole nine yards um 
always the biggest issue was finding a single database because you know not only do we see it now in the facebook groups but that was you know the major calls that we would get hey look i'm in front of this merchant and they're using you know uh some type of point of sale software what can we do so that's been an ongoing issue forever and I've been trying to categorize it. I mean, it takes so much time that a lot of us have just memorized it. And when someone calls you, like, oh yeah, we work with it, or oh yeah, we right. work with it. Right. Um, it's getting a lot harder to it's getting a lot harder to memorize that list because there's it seems like every week there's like 18 new fintechs that start up. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You see it on the Facebook ads. I mean, this new salon software, this new auto software, yeah. whatever the retail, you know, with the with uh, Android and Apple being able to be created on, it's just blowing up so um funny thing you know quarantine happens and we're sitting around going hey what are we gonna do uh you know because every business is closed and and this is a project that i've wanted to do for years and years Mm -hmm. and we're sitting around we have the resources and we're like look uh you know circle back what do we need we need a we need a phone book um or a directory of some sort that makes it easy for agents and ISOs to get on there. Uh, we even have an Android app now and boom, pull it up, walk into a merchant and 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 find out if that software is compatible with you or not. So that's that's how I got into the business and that's how um, it evolved from you know busting the streets with a with an ink pen and a you know lighting up right. ash to, you know to now. So that's the that's the journey in a nutshell. <laughs> That's actually, it's a really cool journey. We hear a lot of journeys, right, James? And, yes, we do. You know, absolutely. I don't think there's anybody who's ever said, I, I was going to high school and decided I wanted to sell merchant services. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. always a little bit of a different path. That, that it's always a different path. But hey, if you don't mind, Derek, just kind of set this, this conversation up. Maybe, you know, for those who might not be familiar out there, can you, you know, define a few things for us? Like, what sure. does it mean to be processor agnostic? And maybe speak a little bit about the different payment integration models that you're seeing, you know, sure. from ISVs and, and POS software providers. Yeah. So um, the processor agnostic, it's a strange term. Um, right. and, you know, agnostic is usually to deal with religion. I don't really, that's not like the best term, but that's kind of what happened in our business where. Right. So um, agnostic means open, you know. So when we say is a process, is, is the software processor agnostic? That means they play nice and they're with friendly others. with, you know, every different type of, uh, of network, whether it's First Data, or Global, or Tesis, or Heartland, or WorldPay, whatever. That means that that software can work with it. Um, so that's what we mean by agnostic. agnostic. You know, payment uh, payment processor friendly um, would be a better term, but that doesn't have the same sticking power that this agnostic word right? has. So yeah. you know, processor agnostic means they're open. They're open and, to anybody. Uh, open to anybody. Open for business. And uh, so some of the some of the ways that are companies and softwares and point of sales are agnostic is they're going to be either a few different ways. Number one, they're going to have a direct integration with, you know, like First Data or WorldPay or Tesis, where all we need is the merchant account number, uh, you know, in a in a data wire number or some V number, et cetera. That that's going to be one way, a direct integration. Then there's the the other integration, which would be through a third-party software like a gateway, like mm-hmm. you know Authorize.net or um, NMI or USA Pay. One of those gateways. Those are nice because 
for point of sale systems, they have just one single integration and right. it opens them up to every payment processor out there. Um, and then you have like data caps and stuff like that, which some of the more traditional legacy softwares use like a, uh, you know, a restaurant legacy focus or future or something along those lines. Uh, use a modem. <laughs> it's, it's like a modem. You have to buy right. a software license. Right. Okay. So those are the main, I guess, the main different models, models of, of how companies are able to become agnostic. Well, I think, and I think it's important too to, to mention that obviously there's a lot of, um, how do we say, there's a lot of different levels to this processor agnostic concept, right? So you'll have sure. like, you know, there's a lot of POS systems out there where it's like they currently integrate with TSIS and one of the first data platforms. It's not that they're opposed to integrating with somebody else, but that's just the only integrations that they've currently built. Um, and so, you know, knowing, having that information and saying, I know which, you know, who they integrate with is mm. crucial because right. maybe your processor has a TSIS integration, but you normally board on WorldPay. Well, you need to know this still needs to be on TSIS because of the software. And, or you might say, well, they don't integrate with anything. And then you're reaching out and saying, hey, can you build another integration? What about integrating with NMI so that I can integrate with anybody or whatever? Yeah. Um, and then also talk a little bit about the model of um, some of the companies where they, you know, it's not processor agnostic. You can resell it, but you mm -hmm. have to sell for that processing company versus like a square, you know? Right. So can you talk a little about those kind of two different worlds as sure. well? Well, um, you know, we have, we definitely don't like companies that only work through Square or Stripe or one of these right. payment facilitators. Not only are the rates much higher, as we all know, right. um, but it kind of devalues our industry and what we bring to the table sure. and, and further commoditizes um, the, the payment processing side of it. So, but the, the other model would be uh, a point of sale that you can resell. A good example of that is, you know, Clover, for example. Right. Um, Clover is a resellable system. All you have to do is sell first data, first data ISO, and you have access to Clover. Um, now that is, since Clover, uh, since first data owns Clover, they've built that in to right. where they're not there. So you can still make money with Clover and still get residuals um, and, and make, make, uh, make an income. Uh, it's just not agnostic. So um, there are several different softwares like that, some retail, some, some, uh, Right. Just a plethora of them. Right now, are you going to get the same deal or a better deal as a sales partner as if you would with a fully agnostic software? No, um, but of course you have to weigh those out, and that's a an okay in between. I mean, right, right. Uh, it's just, I it's think being being completely open is the way to be. I mean, that's what I'm a right. champion of, um, right. free market. But right. you know, yeah. But at the end of the day, I think it's. I think the really important thing that you guys are bringing to the table with POS Hero is just that information, right? right. So it's like, you know, because I mean, there's a lot of processors right now that have developers and they're mm -hmm. not developing processor agnostic stuff. I mean, let's face it, you know, they, no. they, they right. want to sell their business. Their and, stuff, right. You know, yeah. And so they're building that, that technology value. And so um, I think, again, as a salesperson, you're walking into a business, you really need to know, okay, this is the system yeah. they have. Is it you know, only integrates with Square or Stripe. Well, there's there's nothing you can do there. You just got to replace yeah. the system or, or walk out. Or mm -hmm. is it like, okay, well, this integrates with this one platform. Well, I, I let me call my my ISO. Maybe they have a deal with First Data and I can do that. Right. You know? So I think it's important just, you know, making that data available. So 
you know, put this into perspective for us, Derek, how big of a problem is this? You know, I mean, right. <laughs> a lot, you know, obviously, um, if you know, James's Facebook lot, page is any indication, it is a big problem. It is a big problem. I mean, tell, tell us, Derek, I mean, are you getting a lot of interest in it? I mean, how big of a problem do you see this as? It's, I mean, it's a, it's a huge problem. If you just look at, you know, we have analytics and you can see the users of our directory daily. And, you know, once we get a user on there and they're seeing the value of it, I mean, they're coming back over and over again because it's, fantastic reference material it's not just right. oh we're going to look at this website they're they're using it as a as a as a as, as a phone book you look in there and you know let your fingers do the walking well now it's clicking so right. um right you know it's a it's an absolutely huge problem if we think back to when we got into the business you could walk into any place put in a credit card machine that's it you right. know 95 96 percent of the businesses well now those same amount of businesses uh, in different markets are different, obviously, but uh, the majority have some sort of electronic point of sale or cash mm -hmm. register, or it's not right. even a cash register anymore. It's some sort of iPad. Right. Some kind of integrated payment solution. Smart payment solution. And even looking at our directory, I would say we're about, you still have, I think we're running about 60 or 70% of the companies are um, agnostic. So it's running 50 50. And Unfortunately, um, it's coming down where more and more companies are trying to lock us and our industry out from the free market. And I think mm. that's the big problem. And what and my, you know, I'm not saying I can solve it, but one of the biggest ways to do it is to have awareness that, you know, of, of let our industry know and call out these companies that are that are pushing our livelihood out. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, and I think, you know, and, and like you said, also promoting the ones that are, that are looking to our yeah. industry to, to sell for them. Right. So, absolutely. so let's, let's get a little more specific here. I know a lot of our users are like, or listeners now are kind of going like, okay, shut up guys, tell us where to go. So tell us the website and then give a little information about the, the model here, because obviously the individual agents aren't even paying for this. So talk, talk a little about that and kind of the model and what, you know, the business side of it, and then give the, the web address and kind of maybe a little flavor of you go there. What do you do? Do you create an account? Like, tell us a little bit of the specific. Right. Okay. So it's posheroes.com. That's P-O-S-H-E-R-O-S.com. So P-O-S-Hero with an S.com. Um, and it's, you know, fully responsive. You can go on your mobile phone. You can go on your, you know, computer, web, you know, web browser. Um, if you go on your web browser, you get a nice little video that we have, um, we've made kind of giving you an overview of the, of the, um, software of the site. Um, you don't have to create an account. That's what's amazing. So when you log in, um, you'll notice that we have, uh, essentially three different types of, of, um, software point of sale companies. We have a POS hero approved, which those, the guys in the green boxes, um, they're approved, which means they are agnostic. You, whatever company, whatever ISO you work with, you'll be able to you'll be able to uh, sign a deal if they're using that point of sale. Then you have a red box, POS Hero denied, which means these companies are not processor friendly. They are not they're not agnostic, and more than likely they hate you. <laughs> they don't hate you. They just want to. They want they your business. Wanna, they want to control it all themselves. Yes, so right. they're they're generally not going to yep. you know work with you. Right. Um, but our newest category we have is called a POS Hero Preferred. And these are these are the uh, software and point of sale companies that not only are agnostic, so they're friendly, 
they're even more friendly because they want you as either a channel partner or a reseller, but they, they have the same mentality as us that they want to, you know, um, keep options open and they are focusing on their software and they're not focused on payments as a revenue stream. They are very friendly with our industry. So we love our preferred uh, vendors. Awesome. Yeah, I love it. And then of course, I would assume the preferred vendors are those that are probably also maybe advertising partners or something along those yes. lines, which which is what allows you to make this available for free yes. to our industry, which I do want to make sure we get that across. I mean, am I, am I right yeah. there? This is totally free. It is absolutely 100% free. The only thing we ask is when you log in and you, when I say log in, you, you go to our site, when you click on the actual software, it will pop up and say, enter your name and email address. And whether you are in the industry right. as a point of sale person or of a uh, merchant because we like to say hey who's looking at our directory right, right. 95% of what I would say 90% of our directory is used by individuals within our um, within our industry so right. we're just looking if, if you don't want to put your email address use a fake one we don't care we're not going to spam you we just are really trying to yeah get data but if you do put your email address in your real email address you will get some cool updates and and, and features and not spam and stuff Awesome. So, you know, obviously there are like tons and tons of these point of sale companies, a lot of different software providers, a lot of variation. How in the world did you get all of this data that you have? And I'm assuming that's an ongoing effort. So talk a little bit about how you built the database and your plans moving forward there. Well, um, for, I would say since January of, of 2020, well, not January, I would say March, January concept we've been having, we did some things with that. Come March of 2020, I had a team of three full-time employees domestically in the U.S., not overseas, um, quantifying different point-of-sale systems, scouring the web, scouring Facebook groups, what we know of, looking at different integrations, um, uh, and, and just really, really, really doing very deep dive data to find these software companies. And Right now, I wrote down, we have 1,047. So we're at 1,047 point of sale and software that are all directed to our industry. Now, these aren't, you know, some other directories have like crazy software for real, ultimate, you know, virtual reality. No, this is, this is all to do with our industry, whether it's a business to business software, retail, restaurant, right. you know. Um, it has a payment of integration so, of some kind. They have some sort of payment integration. Yeah. That's exactly right. So I guess that's a quantify, you know, a measure there, payment integration. And um, so, yeah, we had our team do that and it's an ongoing process. And sometimes, you know, it just got updated today. Sometimes on the Facebook groups, they say, oh, you know, people tag me and say, hey, uh, you know, this software is not in the directory. Right. I, I put it on the desk of our team members. They're already there creating what we call a book report, you know, an overview of what they do, who they are you know, and, and contacting them and reaching them. And, uh, you know, so it's a pretty big, it's a pretty intensive process, believe it or not, to get from start to finish on just one single listing. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, I used to put together uh, buyer's guides, mm -hmm. uh, similar, a similar kind of thing. And it does take a lot of time. And so, so tell me, Derek, you know, there's obviously plenty of people out there that are running into merchants that, uh, you know, or, you know, have, has systems that are not processor, processor agnostic. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm wondering, you know, what kind of advice do you have? What would you recommend um, in terms of approaching these merchants? Well, um, 
learning about that software and learning about why that merchant chose that software mm-hmm. uh, or point of sale is probably the biggest thing because okay, nine sure. times out of ten, you know, they're spending extra money on a software they don't need. I'm going to throw Toast out there as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toast has a direct sales force; they're not integratable. Um, they're in their in their actual SaaS fees are extremely high and their hardware fees are extremely high. Um, so just knowing a lot of that information will better equip the ISOs and agents to maybe have a better solution. So unfortunately, it's it's a little more in depth now than just hey, I can put a credit card machine in there. You, you have right. to kind of know the system. But um, yeah. that's my advice: is hey, learn about it and look at. And that's part of what our directory does. You know, mm-hmm. you have. These are your retail or your restaurant systems. Go on there, look at their website, research, learn. And um, some of them we say are channel partner friendly, call them up. So that's my advice is knowledge is power. Right. And we need to still educate, educate these merchants on, you know, options. Oh, yeah. I mean, education is a big part of it, right? I mean, Absolutely. I can see, I can see a, a merchant just, you know, their cousin or the friend of their cousin comes in and says, Hey, you need this POS system. If you're starting a, a pizza joint, you know, put this yep. in. And that's why they did it. Um, it. You know, there was no thinking, there was no process. And by bringing this information to them that, you know, creates even more value in the agent. Yeah. yeah well, you know, absolutely. You know, Derek, the other thing I've seen a lot of is that a lot of these, um, you know, these systems that are not processor agnostic, they focus on, you know, making so many features and they want to be so powerful, the software that it's like, this software can do anything for you and you're probably not going to do anything with it. Right. Um, and it's really frustrating. You know, you go to these merchants and it's like, they have this system and I know enough about it where I'm like, oh, wow. So you're using the automated, you know, customer marketing through text and email alerts. Yeah. And like, I didn't even what? know I had that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're like, well, then why are you paying a thousand dollars, you know? What, like, what are you doing? You know, they spent 15,000 on the system and they're paying, you know, 2000 every quarter to upgrade it. And you're like, what are you doing? You know? So I think one, like, I love the point you made. It's like, you know, find out why they got the system. Like, wh- how are they actually using it? What value are they getting from the system? Mm-hmm. And what you're going to probably find is that you could very easily shift them to a much lower cost processor agnostic solution that does everything they're currently doing and more. It mm-hmm. may not do quite as much as Toast or whatever, but they're not using the features that Toast has to offer anyway. No. Well, who cares? It doesn't matter if what the software does. It matters what it does for them. And sure. so I, I think a lot of times agents lose track of that and they walk in there and like, oh, I, and even in the Facebook groups, I see it all the time. Like, how do you compete with Toast? Well, it's simple. Right now, you have the restaurant is using 5% of the functionality of Toast. Mm-hmm. Get them a system and show them how to use 60% of a system that's not as good. That's right. That's, that's a better. very good point. Yeah, that's, you know? that's absolutely. And that's you know, the part we bring the table. Right, they're selling on bells and whistles of features that you'll never use. And right. it's really the small, medium-sized businesses out there, you know, they, they're not, they don't, they don't need to use those, those, those tools. Like people come out and say, oh, we can measure your, 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 where your customers are coming from down to the cul-de-sac level and send them these automated, and you know, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the business owner's like, well, that sounds great. And then six months later, it's like, where's the button I click to do that? (laughs) Well, no, it's not a button you click, you know, it's like a really complicated, they make it sound like, oh, it's so easy. Automate, you grow your business on autopilot. No, you're not. 
Right. So, right. yeah. So, well, Derek, I'm sure we could go on talking about this for a long time. Um, I'm really, really excited for our audience to check it out. I mean, I think the website's fantastic. Hopefully it doesn't crash from traffic in the next two hours after we release this. But, uh, you know, I'm really excited about it. So give the website one more time and then also say a word to any ISVs. I don't know if we have any listening right now. We usually do have a few technology companies that kind of tune in. So those that might be interested in an advertising opportunity or becoming a preferred um, POS Hero partner, talk about Absolutely. that a little bit as well, if you would. For sure. So it's POSHeroes.com, P-O-S-H-E-R-O-S.com. You can download on our Android app. We're working on, on iPhone right now. Um, if you know of a software that's not listed, we have a nice little banner across the top. Click here. If you know of a software that you want it or that you want added that's not there, we do it. No cost. We do a full in analysis. Um, but if there's anyone that wants to become a preferred preferred vendor, our retail and restaurant are our number one categories. Um, other categories are obviously still still high up there. Um, we want you to be on to be listed if you have the same ideas we do. That's the key. You know, right. if you say, well, we just right. want to lock it down, you're not eligible to advertise. If for payments, I mean, if you want channel partners, if you are agnostic. We have the um, the solutions that's going to get you quality because all of James' followers, um, you know, these are quality quality people that are trying to do the best for their mm -hmm. merchants, and we want software partners, point of sale partners that are that want the same thing, not just numbers of growth, but want to take care of their clients and merchants and um, grow, and that's what our preferred vendors are there for. Excellent, excellent, awesome. Well, uh, definitely hope everybody will take a minute here to pause the uh, podcast and. Jump over to posheroes.com. Uh, check it out. I think you're definitely going to like it. Derek, thank you so much for taking time to share this with our audience. Um, I know our mm -hmm. industry is going to get a ton of value from what you're doing. I really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate I think it. this is a great, this is really great, Derek. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate you guys. Y'all take care. You too. So, Patty, the episode's being released here on Friday, and then I'm flying out Monday going to the SEAA. Um, and, of course, our sponsor, Valor Paytech, is just all over the SEA. They've yes. been doing all kinds of sponsorships there. Yeah, and I think it's going to be, and you're on a panel, I believe, right? Yeah, I'm on a panel, um, and so I'm going to be excited to get up there and, and talk about some things. But um, I think, you know, if you have not, if you still are like, maybe you're living in a cave and you haven't, talk, I, <laughs> you know, haven't talked to Valor yet. I was in a Facebook group, not even my Facebook group. I was in a different one, uh -huh. and somebody asked, which terminal are you using for cash discount? And there was like eight or nine different comments under there of, we've been using Valor, it's fantastic. We love Valor, we're using Valor. Everybody's like Valor, Valor, yes. Valor. Yes. And you know, not to toot our own horn here, Patty, but I think a lot of that's our podcast and you know, and the great technology that they have. And so if you are not familiar yet with Valor and you go into the SEAA, we'll just head over to the booth and check it out. Got to see it. And mention, and mention that you heard about it on the podcast. You know, Absolutely. let them know that, you know, and uh, I also think that it's... Uh, it's really kind of interesting in terms of um, our our interview with Derek and the yes. whole processor agnostic thing, and you yes, know, which is Valor, <laughs> which is Valor. And so, you know, if you're if if you're really if you're really alert and keen on what you learned today, and you're going to be at SEAA, be sure to stop by. Awesome. And if not, uh, go to ccsalespro.com/slash/valor and get the uh, demo if you haven't seen it already. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you are an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training 
to get a free 14-day trial of our All Access Pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. So, Patty, uh, you know, we had the great interview there with Derek. Hopefully everybody's checking out POS Hero. Um, mm -hmm. Now they've come back to the podcast. So let me kind of expand a little bit on, you know, the question we were talking about of how do you approach these people with processor agnostic um, point of sale solutions? So, you know, I really believe that what this comes down to is asking the right questions. Um, and we talked, we touched on this in the interview, but I want to expand on it because it's like, you know, well, what are the right questions to ask? Well, a couple of questions I find really helpful when I'm talking to people with a point of sale system that's, you know, it's not something I can integrate with. Mm -hmm. um, the first question I ask is, how long have you had this system? Mm -hmm. um, that's a really important question. Somebody who just bought a new $15,000 system three months ago is probably not going to switch to you. Right. Um, or at least they're not going to pay to switch to you. Um, somebody who bought a $15,000 system 10 years ago and they're still paying for upgrades and all of that, you know. That's um, a possibility. Right. So number one question, how long have you had it? Number two, how much is it? You know, mm -hmm. now obviously you don't ask it in that way. You got to qualify your question. And, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to get a better handle on the investment that this type of hardware, I know it's a little bit of an out-of-date hardware solution. You know, is there still an ongoing investment on your, on your part? Mm -hmm. Oh my, yeah, we pay a thousand dollars upgrade or whatever it is. Right. So understanding the time frame and the cost is very, very important. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then the next thing is, of course, understanding the credit card, the payment processing side, or more specifically, understanding if they understand it. Right. Um, they usually don't. And so what I say to them is, I say now, you know, I want to be really clear because if 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 we do end up working together, I actually separate these two things of your software that helps you run your business, you know, your hardware and all that. Then there's payment processing. Mm -hmm. Your current company has tied these together and that's not by accident. They didn't, they don't have you locked in by accident. Right. They did that because they know that they can charge you a lot on the credit card processing side. And it's going to kind of be swept under the rug of the software and all the features that you're using to run your business. So the question I have for you is, how much do you pay for credit card processing right now? And I don't need the exact number, but I'm saying, do you know what your fees are? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what I have found in a lot of cases is they say, they don't, I really don't. I, you know, I think I have a pretty good deal, but I really don't know, you know? And then it's like, okay, well that's step one. We need to make sure we understand what your deal looks like. Right. So are they not getting statements or are they just Almost getting never. statements? Really? Never. Usually wow. they're like on an e-statement kind of deal and they maybe uh -huh. are getting an email notification of something, but they don't even know what their login is. And, and, and it's it just, they, you know, it's like, they know that they don't have an option to switch from the point of sale. Mm -hmm. And so what difference does it make? You know, it's like, it is yeah. what it is. And they yeah. don't understand that. I mean, obviously they we do don't have, have an option. We don't want to tell them this, but you could reach out and renegotiate, you know, yeah. um, right. but okay. So once you get to that point, then it's like, okay, cool. Now what do I do to get the sale? And I want to bring in a question that I got from uh, somebody um, in our six week jumpstart program that I thought was a super interesting question. So there's an individual, he got a hundred thousand dollars as an inheritance um, from a family member. Nice inheritance. In the industry. Yeah. And he said, I need to turn this $100,000 into $60,000 a year in income because he wanted to take it. It was at, not really actually in St. Heron's, but he had a, a family member that was going into a long care, a long-term care facility. Okay. And, and he so wanted to have the money so he could help take care of it. They sure. sold the house and then right. they had the money. And then, right. We did that with my mother. I know exactly what you're yes. talking about. Yes. And I said, well, I'll tell you, I said, there's actually, it's pretty cut and dry. Cause he said, well, I want, I really like to buy a portfolio. And I said, well, 
that's going to be very hard to find. You know, it's hard to find portfolios you can buy. Usually those are being sold either to one of the big acquiring uh, portfolio mm-hmm. acquirers or their, their own ISO is buying it. I said, what's a lot better and more profitable is just to go buy the accounts yourself, meaning buy them one at a time. Mm-hmm. So this circles back to this topic because, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, well, James, how did you deal with this? When you found these people that had a five location, 10 location restaurant and they needed you know, in order to sell them, they had to have all new hardware. I bought it for them. That's what I did. It's really mm-hmm. simple. So it's like such a no brainer. And then it's like, that was before cash discounting. Right. I can't even imagine. I mean, the financial reward of doing this with cash discounting is unbelievable. If I oh, get yeah. somebody that's a retailer and they've got a 15 location, you know, I don't know, clothing store or something. And I'm like, look, if you guys sign a five-year agreement with me and we do cash discounting, I'll buy you a new point of sale system at all of your locations. That's going to cost me $30,000, $40,000. And you might think, well, James, what in the world? I could never do that. Well, if you don't have that kind of cash laying around, what you need to do is you need to get a source of capital. This is a business. If you want to be successful in business, you need capital. So go get some, go get your EIRF. I've had so many agents ask me, they got that EIRF loan, not the advance, but the actual loan. You can get up to 150,000. Right. Um, And they got, you know, $80,000, $90,000. What do I do with it? This is what you do with it. Exactly. You can go get one account right now, one account with cash discount. There's a rep. I literally just yesterday was talking to one of my big consulting clients. One of the reps that I actually made an introduction there. He made one sale, one, four million a month. They sold it on surcharging, 85 basis points of margin, $34,000 a month in margin. Wow. Wow. These accounts exist. And when you're talking about the retail restaurant level, they really exist. Like they're not that hard to find. And the thing is, what they want is really simple. They just want you to pay for everything. So do it. So do it. And if you can't do it, get the capital, go to your, go to your ISO and say, Hey, look, I got this deal. They're willing to sign an ironclad five-year deal with me, a cash discounting. The residuals are going to be 17,000 a month, 8,000 a month, 4,000 a month, whatever it is. And I need $25,000 to close the deal. Hold my residuals until it's paid back. Right. This is a no brainer decision. I mean, seriously. So I've talked about it before. I think our industry does an absolutely pathetic job of managing capital when it comes to situations like this. I agree. Um, and it's just a no-brainer decision. And so I talked to this agent and I said, you know, literally you probably you probably need to make three sales to get that 5,000 a month in income right now. You need to go. And he right away is like, oh man, there's a, I know this owner of this Mexican restaurant, they have about 12 locations and I've talked to him before and they need a new point of sale. He's like, man, I'm going to go do this right now. And it's like, you know, he never thought of that, but it's like, you got to think in terms of go and just buy the accounts. If you're willing to buy the portfolio, why not buy the accounts? Why not buy cheaper. the accounts? Yeah. And that way you're buying the good accounts. You're not getting all the garbage accounts. To exactly. Come with it. You're just getting your own accounts and then it's your account. They know who you are. You got them locked in. Now, again, and you can things- also service them so much better because yes. you don't have that many that you're running around for. Right. Exactly. And, you know, Obviously, we're doing things a little different as a long-term contract, right? Things mm-hmm. like that. But sure. I think ultimately, this is hopefully an idea many of you are going to think about a little bit and ruminate on. And maybe there's an account out there in your area that you think, you know what? Maybe I could go do that in my area. Yeah, good stuff, James. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. 
For nearly 40 years, the Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading the Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. So, you know, James, the saga of debit interchange uh, continues uh, yes. with the Fed saying that it's thinking about changing the rule set it created in response to the Durban Amendment to specifically require that merchants be given a choice in debit card routing. Oh, so this is the debit card routing thing. This, this is, is not the debit the, card okay. routing thing, okay. right. Because I saw there was another report about, uh, you know, the, what was it, the uh, the one group or whatever was suing. Oh, yeah, I was going to get to that, actually. Okay, all right, I'll let you, I don't want to steal your thunder, so <laughs> don't go ahead. Steal, yeah, don't totally <laughs> steal my thunder. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, you know, but anyway, I've been reporting in here for some time now on the brouhaha over debit card routing. Yes. You know, merchants complain that the card issuers and the card networks are stymieing merchants from routing so-called pinless debit cards right. through the regional debit networks. And, and that's then, a big... And, and just, I'm sorry, not to cut you off there, but just to zoom yeah. out for one minute, for those that maybe didn't hear earlier episodes. So the idea is Visa and MasterCard, a lot of people don't know this, but they do own certain debit, debit, networks. debit networks. Right. And so <clears throat> pinless debit being when people are using their debit card on like a website or a kind of a card not present, they can't put their pin in. Right. Um, what's happening is those transactions are all being routed to networks owned by Visa and MasterCard. And the Durban Amendment said what exactly, Patty? Durban Amendment says that you have to be given the option of two of at least two unaffiliated debit card networks. Right. And those are sometimes cheaper. They are. They're, you know, some some estimates have said they're about thirty percent cheaper for the for the merchants. Right. And so what's um, happening is the large merchants like your WalMarts, etc., they're saying, "Wait a second, we're not being able to choose where we want to send the transaction." Right. And, right. Yeah. yeah. So this even, is more at the acquirer level. For our industry, they would think of it more like a first data or a exactly. A or and it's also yeah. it's also an issuer. It, it's also an issuer issue. That's a kind of a oh, convoluted way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But, you know, it's, it, I mean, because pinless debit is a big deal for card not present. And those ranks have been swelling since the pandemic. Right. And, uh, you know, it, like you say, it is cheaper. Um, so anyway, I just thought I was going to give a little bit more um, background, but I think we kind of hit that, you know, the yeah. whole idea being, yeah. you know, the regional networks. Okay. Got so it. Fed, So when the Fed wrote the rules to carry out the Durban Amendment back in 2011, the bulk of debit card payments, as we know, were signature authorized, and they still are about 65% according to Fed's uh, 65% of volume, 67% of value, according to a report that the Fed released about a month ago. But obviously, technology has changed and e-commerce is becoming more important, and uh, the debit card the regional networks have developed capabilities to support debit without having to enter your pin in. But in order for that to work, the functionality has to be enabled on the chips in the in the cards that the issuers are issuing. And apparently a lot of issuers have not issued cards that support that functionality. Um, and the, you know, the merchants being as they are, especially the big merchants are saying, oh, you know, MasterCard and Visa are enticing the issuers not to do this, not to program the cards and support pinless debit. Right. Uh, well, obviously, the merchant outcry was significant enough to catch the attention of Senator Dick Durbin, who, of course, is the Illinois Democrat who wrote the Durbin Amendment. Right. Um, and he wrote the Fed last summer, which I reported on a few weeks ago, I think, um, 
urging an investigation. And so this proposed regulatory change is basically a, an outgrowth of that. And um, in a memo explaining the proposed change, the Fed said its data indicates that no payments using debit cards issued by financial institutions that account for nearly half of all debit card payments and half of all card not present payments were routed through PIN networks, the regional PIN networks in 2019. So let me explain that again. Okay, of the biggest card issuers and biggest debit card issuers out there combined account for about half of all debit card payments and about half of all card not present payments. And all of those transactions are being routed through Visa and MasterCard, not through the regional networks. So uh, I would assume that this uh, regular, you know, this change, if it were to occur, right, would be, you know, for networks like Shazam and other smaller debit networks, this would right. pretty much be like a big deal. Big deal for them. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and basically um, the, what the Fed is saying in the regulatory change, it's specifying that this this choice issue, this ability to choose between two unaffiliated debit networks has to apply to card not present as well as card present situations. Right. And that's a big that's a big shift because the idea in the past has been if you're doing a card not present debit, it's not pinless debit. It's just a signature debit signature. like a regular and it's exactly. running through MasterCard or Visa or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. So now to circle back to what you mentioned a minute ago, and yeah. that's the related development, is a group of retailers in North Dakota has filed a lawsuit in federal district court there claiming that debit interchange, the cap that the Fed set back in 2011, was and remains too low. Now, remember, the uh, the, debit, the Durbin Amendment uh, instructed the Fed to cap debit interchange, and it said it needed to do it at rates that were, quote, reasonable, and also proportional to cost incurred by banks processing right. debit card payments. Right. And only incremental costs were were supposed to be um, considered. Okay. Okay. But in the in the lawsuit that was filed in North Dakota, these retailers are claiming that the Fed quote flouted congressional intent mm-hmm. by factoring in fixed costs along with fraud costs, transaction monitoring and network processing fees when it was right. making its calculation. And uh, so the interchange rate uh, cap right now, debit interchange cap right now is about 23 cents. Right, and, 22 cents and then five basis points. And right? five basis points, yeah. So right. 23, 25, you know, depending. Right. Most the size of these, the transaction. Yeah. yeah, most of these are small dollar transactions. Right. right. So in the lawsuit, these guys said, the, the uh, North Dakota retailer said that this 23 to 25 cent cap, quote, grows less reasonable and proportional with each passing year. Good so, argument. you know, it's it's only one it's only one court case, but yeah, it, it's really something that's worth watching. I think it's worth watching. And I, I will tell you, I have thought that the this particular piece of regulation was ridiculous from the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot I of people have. Yeah, um, because why, you know, again, I'm not a, obviously I'm not a big fan of regulation to begin with, but as a general rule, you know, this is on smaller ticket transactions. And so the 22 cents and five basis points, I mean, why not 10 cents and 30 basis points, you know, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, it's like all of a sudden the hot dog stands and the coffee shops just really got screwed with that. Got screwed royally um, with it. Yeah. And, we, and, you know, and the other thing is too, 
I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure maybe it exists. I don't know, but I don't know of a single other developed country that has a such a high per item cap on um, debit. Because in fact, if you go to the UK, I, I'm going to get these numbers wrong probably, but I, I'm almost sure it's like 20 basis, like it's 0.2%, 20 basis points. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. It's 20 or 30. That is the cap. There is no per item. Right. And that 20 to 30 basis points, what that does is of course, then, you know, your small ticket, you know, people. So I, I think maybe that's a little extreme too, because I can understand that there are going to be some incremental costs where maybe mm-hmm. it is going to always have at least two, three, four, five cents of cost, no matter how small the transaction. But to me, it could definitely be more reasonable by balancing out and giving a, a larger percentage and a smaller per item um, at the very least. Um, but yeah, it wasn't there something, Patty. I remember when they were making the, the legislation, I thought there was like a recommendation made or something it was like 11 cents or something. Oh yeah. Then that's that. That's part of what this lawsuit is. When they originally did it, it was around 11 to 13 cents, something like that. And who was that? Somebody was at the it Fed? It was actually in the Fed's proposal. That they said, like, this is the amount we think it should be. Right. And, and then, then it was the, like, here comes the, the legislation a few days later, and it was 22 cents. Yeah. And it yeah. just, like, you know, this is what happens, like, on the negotiating floor, you know. Right. You know the old expression, those of us who love sausage in the law should never watch either being made. Right. Right. Because late night negotiations and right. the banking right. trade groups come in and they start, you know, hemming and hawing. And right. And, so then know, they negotiated it and it ends up at 22 cents. I My own personal thing is, is that, you know, I think, you know, when Durbin came out, when he was starting to talk about interchange regulation, yeah. it was much grander than just debit. And yes. I my feeling is, is that the banking trade associations like the ABA and ICBA, um, kind of like threw a bone to Congress. And in the process, I think they really screwed people over, especially these small regional networks, you know, because so much of the traffic, I think a lot more of the traffic would have gone through there. Right. Originally. And then suddenly this cap gets thrown in and right. I don't know. I mean, it just felt to me like it was it was like, okay, we don't want them to touch credit card interchange. So we'll let them do debit because debit isn't that great a volume right now. Yeah. And let's be realistic. I mean, I've been covering banking for years. They don't they're not really forward thinking when it comes to stuff like that. Right. You know? right. Like, yeah, so debit isn't isn't a big deal right now, but it's going to be eventually. Right. Right. You yeah, know, yeah, I think it'll be super interesting to see how it plays out. I think. um I've said for a long time that, I mean, it's going to get regulated. All of it's going to get regulated. All of it's going to be regulated eventually. Yeah. I mean, if you don't see the writing on the wall with that, I mean, seriously, like go find another developed country that doesn't, Mm -hmm. that hasn't regulated interchange. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't exist. Like everybody has Australia, the UK, everything in the EU. EU. Yep. Yep. Canada. Taiwan, Singapore, those countries. Everybody's regulated interchange and it's all significantly lower than what we pay in the US. Again, I think the free market solution to this problem is things like cash discounting and surcharging. That was exactly what I was just going to you know. say. It's like that to me, you know, the fact that these kind of debates are still simmering yeah. is even more reason to be selling cash discounting because yeah, you're getting 100%. yourself out of that whole mess. I agree. Well, Patty, very informative as always, and I'm sure you'll keep us up to date on this one. Of course. This episode of the Merchant Sales Podcast was brought to you by Valor Paytech the technology company that is revolutionizing cash discounting and surcharging with innovative features like dual mid support, waive the fee options, and even adding non-cash adjustment charges to tips. 
Now, all of this is made possible by a variety of technology devices and solutions such as gateways, tabletop point of sale devices, and features like SMS text messaging and e-invoicing, all with cash discounting in mind. Valor Paytech, bold ideas, smart execution. Make sure you head over to ccsalespro.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R, ccsalespro.com slash Valor, V-A-L-O-R. Schedule your free demo today and watch videos and learn more about this amazing technology solution. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.